welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. We've got a great service today. We have six different ladies from six different decades that will be sharing to us and, and the topic is kind of this, if I could say anything. And the idea is, if I could say anything to other ladies, to other women, to other moms, to other daughters, I would say this. I've learned this at this stage in my life, and I, if I, I wish I'd known this, or I want to share this information with you. That's what we're going to talk about today. And so we've got somebody in their 20s, somebody in their 30s. We got 50, 60, 70, and 80 years old. So if you don't learn something from the Lord today, then... You've got your ears plugged up and you're not trying. So it's going to be a great time. Uh, before we do, um, I want to just take a minute and honor our two, our two lady pastors in the house. They're not really lady pastors. I'm just saying they're lady pastors because today's Mother's Day. And we want to honor them. We believe in being honoring here at Hope City Church. And so um, Pastor Adrian and Pastor Jenny, we've got some flowers. Pastor Jenny is still at home. Today is her last day of quarantine. And let me tell you, She's going nuts and can't wait to see you all. And I'm pretty sure she's going to be speaking next Sunday. But we have some flowers for our, for our mothers in the house because they just pour out from themselves continually over and over and over again, giving of themselves. And we want to make sure that we are honoring. So Pastor Adrian, we love you. We're so thankful for who you are, for all you've done. For all the decades and all the time and all the phone calls and all the work, we want to say we honor you. We're thankful for the time and the energy and all that you have poured in. We love you. It's my husband over there, Jacob. He did the announcements. So when Pastor Jake asked me to share, I was super excited but also really unsure because I still am pretty young so to give wisdom to the younger generation I was like oh man I feel like I am that younger generation because <laughs> everyone is like I feel like the youngest is like 17. So then as I began to pray I feel like God said no matter your age you can always encourage and speak to those around you. I want to start off by thanking the women in the church that have gone before me. I want to not only thank my mom but all the amazing women in this church all the grandparents and all the spiritual moms. Thank you for your prayers and encouraging words and standing by us in hard times. I am so thankful to be a part of a church with such a, such a diverse age group. I wanna say that our prayers are powerful. When God uses our prayers, whether we notice it or not, they are very powerful. When I pray, I know my prayers are powerful. So I just want to say thank you to all the ladies in this church that have helped me and helped all the younger ones as well. And for the younger ones, I kind of wrote a few things of stuff that people have told me that really encouraged me and that really stuck with me. So the first one is that God loves you. God's love for you does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love will never change based on your decisions. The Lord loves you so much. And the other one that I want to talk about is testimony comparison. If you've ever shared your testimony and after you're like, oh man, that was kind of boring. I feel like I didn't have any exciting things to share because my life was easy. I want to say that your story matters. Whether you had big bumps or small ones, God will use your story to reach those people. But you have to stop comparing it. So when I was 15, 
I felt like my testimony was pretty boring because I didn't do any crazy things. So remember, I told my mom that I needed to have a little wild time to have, <laughs> to have a fun testimony when I got to YOM. <laughs> so in the back of my mind in high school, I'd always say, eh, Lisa's will give me an exciting story to tell later in life. And in the end, I know God will forgive me. What I was doing was using God's forgiveness, and that was not fair. And I also want to say, if you've ever made bad mistakes, I pray that you will not feel shameful or guilty because God has forgiven you, and that, is, and that God is going to use your story to glorify him. So I want to end on, do not compare your, your testimony, and happy Mother's Day! <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm Kelly. Uh, my husband, Mike, is there, and my three kids are upstairs, which is awesome. Um, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to share with you today, uh, and I was talking with Mike a couple days ago, and he said to me, I just see that God's taught you a lot about being instead of all the doing, and so I just wanted to start there and go from there. Um, there's a lot of pressure to have things figured out in your 20s. You graduate high school and bam, you're supposed to know exactly what it is that you want to do with your life and run after it as fast as you can. And some people do, and I think that's great. I'm not standing here saying there's anything wrong with that. If you know what you want, I think you should pursue it. There's a dream in you for a reason, and going after it is so important. But what if instead of running after it as fast as we can, we walked? I used to be a person who kept myself super busy by running after what I wanted. Um, whether it was leadership teams in high school or leading youth at church or singing on worship team every chance I got, I kept my life very full and very busy. I didn't go to university after high school. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I didn't want to spend the money till I was sure about what I wanted. But I did get married at the ripe old age of 22. And the busy life continued. We moved to Thailand six months after we got married, sold our cars, put all our stuff in storage, and went to help at a children's center to keep kids there out of sex slavery. That's a whole other story that maybe I'll share with you another time. Um, my point is, I kept myself busy pursuing life. And then when I was 25, I became a mom. And life slowed down for me. I mean, as slow as it can be raising babies. Life was still busy, of course, but I spent all my time at home instead of out doing all the things. Mike went back to school during this time, and so the next five years were devoted to supporting him through school and raising babies. It might sound like a lot, and in the middle of it, it felt like a lot, but I actually had more time. I was more intentional with my time. I learned how to say no during those years because my focus had shifted. Doing was no longer as important as being. Being with these three little people who needed me. Being with my husband and learning how to have a solid relationship with him. Marriage is no joke. <laughs> being with my friends and my family and being with God. There seems to be this glorification of busy in our culture. If you're busy, it means you're successful. It means you're going places. It means you're fulfilled. How many times is our answer to the question, how are you? I'm good, I'm busy, but I'm good. It's the norm. Even this past year with lockdowns and social distancing, we've found new ways to keep ourselves busy. 
I have learned to say no to busy. It doesn't mean I don't pursue things. I'm actually just finishing up a course this week to be a doula because at 37, I finally figured out what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) But my priority is being instead of doing. God has shown me so much in this state of being. He's here with me and you now in our being. When I'm so busy doing all the things, I have no time for him. I let all those things get in my way. I let the things drown him out. Apparently, I'm not as good at multitasking as I thought. I take the time. Jesus has been repeatedly saying to me this last year to keep my eyes on him, and I've definitely had my moments where I lost my focus and let other things cloud my vision. But when I take the time to be with him, I can see his face again. He's there in the busy too, but it's too easy to lose focus and let all the other things drown him out. How we spend our time is always a choice, and I think that just like he's asked us to give him our first 10% of our income or whatever that percentage is for you, I feel like he's asking us to give him our first 10% of our time too. He wants nothing more than to just be with us. And when we do that, when we sit with him and breathe him in, everything else becomes more clear. And all those things that we feel pressured to have all figured out will come a a little easier and a little lighter. So if I could say just one thing, it would be keep your eyes on Jesus sit with him, stop running so hard, and chasing after this glorification of busy, and just be. That is enough. Um, Good morning, everyone. My name is Willow, and um, yep, that's my wonderful husband there. Um, It is a pleasure to be able to speak to you guys today. Um, I have four kids, and yes, uh, they are getting older, which for a long time I didn't think was going to happen, but it is here. Cherokee is 22, Sierra is 20, Summer is 18, and Leaf is 16, and sometimes it's hard to remember, but that's okay. Uh, And uh, I have a new son-in-law, his name's Johnny. Uh, Cherokee got married last August, and uh, it was a wonderful time for our family. So, when I was asked by Jake a couple of weeks ago, ago, I surprisingly said yes. Uh, This is something I would say would be out of my comfort zone, but I just wanted to see what God had to say. And um, so basically I said, okay, God, you're going to give me the words to be able to speak what I need to say, and hopefully it's going to touch somebody's heart. So if I could say anything to you today as a godly woman and a mother, I probably could say a lot. Uh, We as women love to give advice and wisdom to each other as we go through different stages of our life. We love to talk and listen and share, relate, and glean from our experiences in being a woman and in motherhood. So after much prayer and asking God what he wanted me to say, he gave me an idea. And he basically reminded me of a situation uh, in my life uh, where... I was dealing with a hen, and yes, I said hen. My kids are going to roll their eyes because um, we have chickens, and we live on a bit of property, and uh, my husband and I like to think we're farmers, and we have a bunch of chickens, and um, my chickens are important to me, but not as as important as my children. So a number of... um, or actually, well, a few years back, we had a broody hen. And I don't know if you know what a broody hen, the term means, but it's, uh, it's a hen who wants to become a mother. 
So um, she has that urge to sit on eggs and she does that for about 21 days. Now this is a very hard instinct to break and usually I have one or two hens every year that try it. But this time we wanted to, to let her this particular hen try and so she'll stop laying her eggs by herself well she'll lay one egg and then she begins to sit on other eggs as the other hens in the coop lay their eggs so she begins to gather her eggs this becomes a problem if you want your daily eggs because she come becomes quite combative in protecting her eggs and will try and peck you as you try to collect them so this one uh, so this one time we decided to see the process through with this one hen. She spent most of her days sitting on her eggs. She would get up for food and water and a little walk around and that's about it. During the last few days she deci we decided to separate her from the flock and bring her up to her garage in a cage so, she could, so we could monitor her. At this stage of the process she doesn't get up anymore for food or water and she just hunkers down and holds on and sits on those eggs until they hatch. Finally, after a few days, we could see that the, there were three little chicks that would peek their little heads out from under her wings in amongst her feathers. This was so cute. A few more days passed and we saw two more chicks, but we knew that there were six eggs and we needed to investigate to find out about the one remaining egg. She was not giving up on this one egg and she knew the one egg had not hatched and she wasn't moving until it did. She was holding on. Another day passed and we decided it would be best for her to remove the egg. She was not happy with us and finally we removed the egg but once the egg was gone, she was able to be a better mother to her chicks. And so, God gave me this story and from that he basically said hold on and as mothers we need to hold on to our children and the promises that God has given them Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope as mothers we need to hold on to them in our prayer life Philippians 4, 6, 7 says, don't worry about anything, pray for everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Hold on to showing your children your daily walk with Jesus and that their inheritance is rooted in his great love for them. John 10, 27 to 29, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. As women holding on to knowing, what, to knowing you are right where God has designed you and destined you to be at this time of your journey in womanhood, trust in him. Ephesians 2.10 for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do good, the good things that he has planned for us long ago. Good morning. I'm sure there's a lot of things I could tell you in my six decades of life, but I felt like this was for the house. Um, recently, uh, I got some really uh, news that I'd never thought I'd hear. And it, but it's a story of miracles. 
Because we serve a God that is a miraculous God, a God that loves our heart, a God that holds our hands and can't wait to give us um, his news, his good news. And so my home group knew all about this, and I don't want to make it too personal, but I will say this. So I'm at this crossroads, and I have, there's two choices. So choice A, or option A, I should say, it's not really a choice I'd ever want to make any of the options, but option A uh, was really devastating, really would have been really life-changing and really um, terrifying. But that's the option that I would fit into, 95% chance I'd fit that option. Option B, B was a 5% chance of fitting into that category, which would make my life pretty good. I mean, considering um, the story. So what did I do? Um, as a praying mom and as a praying grandma and knowing having lots of friends at our prayers, I rallied the troops. I rallied my home group to prayer. I rallied my family to prayer. I rallied my friends to prayer. I rallied every praying Christian around the world to pray because God know, knew how terrified I was. God knows. Um, he's counted every day of my life. And so I implored him to prayer. And it took a week to find out what that answer would be. But my friends, boy, they laid it down thick and they laid it down heavy. I could almost feel God's ear inclining to our prayers. I knew it was strong and I knew that he was hearing us. So my daughter and I went to hear the, the news. And the woman said to me, well, this shouldn't be. This is not an op. This wasn't the option for you. You should not fit into this category, but you're in category B. <laughs> and in her office, I threw my hands in the air and I said, Thank you, Jesus! That loud, I said it. And I said, I'm so happy! I can't believe it! And of course, she was stunned, saying, well, we know that there is power in prayer. And I said, no, you have no idea how many people in my life and around the world are praying. Like, we serve a miraculous God, and here's my answer to this prayer. And so I go forward in my life, holding my hand of my Savior, knowing that he still has counted every day of my life. But now it's not going to be as traumatic as I thought it was. And I'm so happy that we serve a miraculous God. I mean, every one of us can attest to the fact that when we're struggling, and even not when they're not struggling, that God has inclined his ear towards us, and he can't wait to listen to your prayers and to come through with miraculous answers. Whoa. Hi, everyone. Welcome, and happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful ladies in our church. Um, I think mine might be a little bit more detailed, a little bit more on a heavier side, hopefully not too heavy. <laughs> so I hope that there's things you can glean from this. Um, it's a little bit scattered as I was writing thoughts down. They come to me and it fits here and it fits there. So hopefully you can figure out all my disjointedness. So in my experience as a mom, I'm 70 years old, going on 71 in a few months. So for 50 years, I've been a mom and a grandmother and a great-grandmother in so I'm excited about that, seeing the next generations. So in my experience, it's been the best of times being a mother, and it's also been the worst of times being a mother. So can anybody un understand that, the worst of times? It's when 
you have children that have passed away way before they should have and before their parents have. So we have, um, I have five babies in heaven. Um, three of them were stepchildren of my heart and they're waiting for us to come one day and God knows when that day happens. So that was the worst of times, children in addiction. And that is a really um, hard time on a mom's heart. You have no sleep, you have no peace and you dig into prayer, you dig into God, and God answers prayer, and then you come out on the other side, and you say, hallelujah, amen? So we've lived through it <laughs> hard. So I just wanted to say uh, I wouldn't trade motherhood for all the tea in China, and I love tea very, very much, but I wouldn't trade it. And I love my kids very much, and I'm very grateful to the children that he has given me, and um, to be their mom has been quite a journey. And a learning experience, I have learned more from them than anywhere else. It's been a training school for sure. And I've learned about selfishness. I've learned about the fruit of the spirit. I've learned a lot about myself. And I think you guys can all agree with me on that one. Um, and it continues to be a learning experience. You never stop being a mom. I thought when the kids left the house that, that would kind of be it. We'd be empty nesters and that. But they came home and brought more with them, wonderful grandkids and that type of thing. And so, but you never stop being a mom. And the one thing that I loved was that you always wished you could do a do-over sometimes because of the mistakes that were made sometimes in raising them. But you know, God is a God of second chances. And you learn and he gives you those opportunities to repair things, to make things right. And I'm very thankful for that. So you're always needed in that role. No matter how old you get, you always need mom. And I wish my mom was here. and She's in heaven. And so I miss my mom. And so our children will always need us. Always need us. Um, and I, one thing I do is um, there can be many regrets of the way uh, you uh, raise children. But I choose not to allow those regrets to haunt me. And I could have let many of those things haunt me. But uh, that's something that I've just had, that's something that we all need to hear. And here's one thing that I want to say to you. If we had known better, we would have done better. Amen? Everybody agree with that? All right. Oh, man, my writing is terrible. So um, several things that I like to continue on in my mothering, which I've learned the hard way is respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, as that song goes, is to respect their choices and respect their journey. As much as I might disagree, I'm not their Holy Spirit. They have a God that they're walking with, and he has a Holy Spirit to lead and guide them. And so I've had to learn um, to keep my mouth shut, <laughs> which is not easy to do for me, as my children can attest. And even my son-in-law has learned all that as well. <laughs> so um, the other thing I've, I've learned is to be present with them, is to be present, to give them my attention. I have one child that says, are you listening? Are you listening? Yes, Jennifer, I'm listening. My ears are open to you, just in case you're wondering who that might be. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Jacob can test that. And love. It's unconditional love. I can't, if I love them with my love, I'm always going to get disappointed. There's always going to be an expectation that maybe they didn't rise to. But you know what? You have to release all your expectations because they belong to God. And when I dedicated my children to God, I dedicated to them and I became stewards. We became stewards of them and then that they belong to him. They're for him, not for me. So unconditional love, as much as you can do that, you know, as much as God loves you, 
And, you know, if you have children that are not walking with God, let me tell you, God got a hold of you. He'll get a hold of them too. All right? Don't ever, ever lose that thought because it's true, and I can attest to that. And we want God's dream for them, not our dreams. We have, we see the potential in our children, and we think, oh, I know what they want to be. You want to be this. And I had dreams for all of my children. I could see the potential. But you know what? God has a dream for them too, and they didn't always walk to that dream. But, like Jennifer, I want her to be a a speed skater. She didn't want to become a speed skater and have big, heavy thighs, you know, like a speed speed skater gets. She says, no, Mom, you know. So, anyways. But she went into ice skating as the picture attests that Jake put on Facebook. So, anyways. um, uh, Let me see what else I want to hear. Um, So, my hope is, honestly, that my children would view me as a godly mother throughout all the mistakes and everything that I've made, that they would see me, that would they would know that I'm a woman of prayer, that they would follow those, that they would follow me in that journey of being a mother in prayer for their own children, and um, that I'm always there for their support. And I just want to leave you with some quotes. Um, before I do that, though, I want to say something important. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Amen. Okay, and here's some funny quotes I wrote down. (laughs) Um, Let me see. Uh, My writing is awful. Okay, being a mom is developing that look to stop misbehavior in its track, right? We have developed that look. And why are you all trying to test a Jesus in me? (laughs) And then how about this one? Mirror, mirror on the wall, I am my mother after all. (laughs) That one always scares me, you know? No. (laughs) So anyways, but I just want to encourage you before I stop here to rely on the promises of God. I had to rely on them heavily in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they should go. Isaiah 54, 13 and 14, my disciples are, my children are disciples uh, of God, taught and trained by him, and great will be their peace and undeserved composure, and so on it goes. Just heavy into prayer with that. In Jeremiah 31, 16, refrain your eyes from weeping. God will get a hold of their, of their hearts. Fight for your family. And so I encourage you, young moms, that there is grace available for you every day to raise your children. Tap into that. Don't worry about the housework. Enjoy your kids. Right, and you you have learned that there, Kelly, um, because in a blink, it's you're where I am, and you'll be on your own soon enough. Amen. Thank you. All right. Well, I think I'll start with the Bible, just about Moses. When God called him to do something, I've been reading that story uh, actually over and over, and I figured out there were seven times that he protested to God, I can't do this. Well, I don't think any of us are any different than that. So I felt very comfortable uh, with what he said. Not that I'm comparing myself with Moses. God forbid that. Anyway, he encouraged me. The Lord encouraged me. Because the Lord said to Moses... Now you will see what I do with Pharaoh. And when he feels the force of my my strong hand, he'll let the people go. Just the strong word of the Lord that he always accomplishes what he sets out to do. That is our God. And I felt like uh, when Moses protested, God didn't always 
respond to his protest. He just said, I'm going to do this, and now you go do that. Take Aaron with you and go do what you have to do. I'll tell you. So um, that gave me encouragement. And I just want to, I want to <laughs> tell some stories because, anyway, I, I, but I will read this. It's one thing to go through an experience or trial, and yet it is another to have received new insight, understanding, and healing, lessons learned and applied. The trial was just the open door to know more of God, and not only that, but to further an intimate relationship with him, that he is, his goal in all this was that I, got, I get to know him better. So um, the thing is, I, sometimes we tell our stories. I, I will mention a couple little things quickly. I like that the Wagner Hills girls are here. Hey, 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 come on, come on. I was around your place years ago before you had your nice big building. And I came to your little room, to little house there on the side, you know, you know which one, and uh, sat with the girls and we worshiped together. And the Lord gave me some sweet songs for them, prophetic songs, I'll never forget that time. It was such a sweet time together. So you guys have a place in my heart, nobody can take. So we're glad you're here. So now I just want to say this. Years ago, we had a lot of people living with us because that's what God called us to do is take all kinds of people into our house. Some came, some stayed, and some did not stay. So there was about 12 or 15 of us that particular day, and it was my time to cook supper. And I thought, and we always trusted God for all our food and everything. We prayed it in. We prayed it in. And then I said, in a wish in my heart, I said, oh, Lord, I just wish I had some buns to serve with this supper. I had the, you know, and then I kept on making it making supper and then there was a knock on the door and we live eight miles lived eight miles north of mission so if somebody knocks on your door you're not going to say oh you can't come in I don't have any time for you right now give me a a phone call or whatever what we'd say today give me a text and let let's arrange a time that did not work that way they came in and that meant that we would make tea and welcome them because that's what we did so I wasn't always pleased with that because I was just as human as everybody else. But that didn't mean much because uh, we had to learn to hear the Holy Spirit. So she came in, sat down. Somebody made her tea and visited with her. And I thought, well, I better keep on going making supper. And then she says, oh, I thought I'd bring some buns for supper. And the Lord pulled me up short again for I don't know how many times he did that in my life, reminding me that he was my provider, but not only that, and that's the big lesson I learned, 
If I am not willing to be interrupted in my life, I will not experience his blessings. So if somebody interrupts me today, I remember that. Now that's what I'd like to say from one mother to everybody. Let yourself be interrupted by the Holy Spirit. Do not plan so hard that there's no time for much, you know. Anyway, that's the one story. The other story was much harder. I went through a crisis of faith in the uh, late 70s. And to, not to say too many things, except that my husband had slipped away from the Lord and he was drinking and that kind of thing was happening. And I was trying to figure this all out. And I made some mistakes myself that I repented of, but I thought to myself, what is this Christianity all about? This is just not working. I said to God on the way home over the Mission Bridge that evening, in 79 it was, I said, God, if this is all there is to Christianity, I don't want it. But if there is something, then show me, show me, show me. So I got home to our house north of Mission, I come up the steps, and there is an elderly retired lawyer who lived with us. He had invited some of his friends over for tea. A family of four from the charismatic Catholic group in mission, lovely couple and family. But I was a bit irritated because I thought, oh, shoot, I don't really want to be visiting anybody. I'm not feeling up to this. And uh, so... <laughs> He said, Priscilla, could you please make a cup of tea for our guests? And I, just being nice, said, yes, of course. And so I went and made the tea, served the tea, and then we were sitting around our fireplace, which was really a nice big fireplace, and lovely fire. And then this gentleman took out his guitar, the father of these children, and started to worship, we started to worship, and we sang, and the Holy Spirit started speaking to me, and he said, Priscilla, do you understand what the body of Christ is about? Do you understand what the body of Christ is called to do, if not to minister to you when you need grace? And isn't he able to use whoever he wants to minister to you? Whether you know it, whether it's in your comfort zone, or whatever. And I quieted down inside and I worshiped. And when I went, walked to my room afterwards, I said, okay, Holy Spirit, if this is how you're letting me know that you love me and that you're going to bring me through all this stuff, I will surrender. And so that's what I did. And from that moment on, things changed in my life. My perspective was much, much different. Amen. So now the third story comes up to the present last week. I don't like just telling stories about the past, but I actually like to tell them uh, in one way because of what I've learned and what I can still do today. So I was on, on my way down to my car. I wanted to do some um, errands. I, I walked down the hallway. This, I think it was on Thursday, last Thursday. And anyway, Oh my goodness, I forgot my mask. Oh fiddles, and I'm supposed to wear a mask 
down the hallway. And I walked down that hallway with no mask. And I said, please, Lord, don't let me see anybody so I can get to my car without. So I, and he didn't, you know, I, I picked up my mail. I had two letters in the mailbox, went down into my car, sat there. And I thought, yeah, but what am I going to do? I have to get a mask because I, I have errands to do. <laughs> so I opened up the one letter before I started the car. It was for my son and his wife from up country. Happy Mother's Day. That's sweet. I open up the next letter. First of all, I look at the printing on there, and I'm thinking, that guy, whoever wrote that, he must be on some kind of drug or something. <laughs> because I have it here. The printing I recognized, and I'm going to tell you why I recognized that kind of printing. When my husband was struggling with heroin, that's how he wrote. And all of a sudden, I saw that. And I thought, oh, oh. So I opened it up. And some of you know I've been involved with Wagner Hills Farms, the brothers, the men's center for like 20 years, actually. Yes. Um, anyway, here's a picture of the cross at Wagner Hills Farm and sunset or sun sunrise. And uh, so this person writes to me, dear Priscilla, hope you're doing well. I think about Norbert practically every day. Then I knew who that was. 1998, this guy was with my husband at, the, at Wagner Hills Farms in the treatment center. Oh, interesting. And I know this fella, that he struggled a lot with that particular drug. And I know the struggles. I, I've seen them and I've watched my husband walk through that. So I thought, well, what in the world? He says, hope your family is doing all right and surviving the pandemic. Uh, thank you for all the tender, loving care. And I thought, oh, well. And there was a package in the letter of two masks. Have you got a story or not? I thought to myself, uh, <clears throat> there's the humor of God giving me something that I really don't like to wear. But he gave it to me anyway. So what am I saying with all this? What we learn through our experiences determines how we live our lives. And if we put it under the lordship of Jesus Christ, then it will work. It will work very well. And um, so I just want to say, I don't know if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus. I'm going to tell you. That's the way to go. Jesus is the way to go. I don't care. I don't care. We have to tell this out. He is the way to go. He has everything for us. And he wants to love on us. And he wants to change our lives. And he wants to stabilize our lives. He wants to make out of us what we never could figure out ourselves. So, dear ones, I don't know, from one mother to everybody else, May you be blessed, and may you have the peace of God. May you have the joy of the Holy Ghost, and don't change it for anything else. Yes. Amen. That's it. Amen. <laughs> that was fun. That was fantastic. Happy Mother's Day. Hang on a second. Wasn't that fantastic? 
did you, did you hear something today that will help you, that will change the way you think, that will encourage you, that will strengthen you? You know, Mother's Day can be a hard day for some ladies, and we wanted to make sure that we had a day where we weren't just trying to talk to you about, hey, this is what the Word of God says about this. And, you know, we wanted to make sure we had an opportunity to hear from ladies like yourself that have gone through life, that have walked through things, that have had challenges. You know, Margaret was talking about losing her kids, and Priscilla was just talking about how her husband walked away from Jesus and got into drugs. And, you know, people have gone through things. And so we wanted to take a day together where you could hear from each generation about what they would say to you. So it's our heart's desire that you heard something today that will challenge you, that will inspire you, that will encourage you, that it will help you take what you heard and move into the future. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Your word says this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I thank you for all the ladies that are here with us right now. The moms, the aunts, the uncles, not the uncles, only the aunts, because we're talking about ladies right now. Uh, the sisters, the grandmas, the nieces. Father, I, I pray a blessing on all of them right now, that you're giving them strength to be who you've called them to be, that you give them wisdom to walk through every situation with your grace, with your ability, with your favor, and with your power, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the women in our lives that have helped mold us and shape us and make us into part who we are today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word that we heard from, from all of our sisters today, that it helps change us and mold us more into your image. God, we love you. We thank you for all you're doing and all that you continue to do. May your spirit lead us and guide us everywhere we go in every conversation we have in every way that we live our lives. In your son's name we pray. We all said, amen. Amen, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.